and welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source of all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. In this episode, we're going to talk about one of the tricky areas in IFRS, deferred tax. With us today, we've got one of our directors, Tony Hanrahan, who loves deferred tax. He's even wearing a t-shirt that says, I love deferred tax. What is deferred tax? Deferred tax is an interesting subject. And what it is, it's a way of accounting for the future way that an entity is going to realise its assets or settle its liabilities. And it's a way of accounting for the tax consequences of that. Okay, so could just to help our listeners, could you give us a basic example? Well, a basic example would be, say for example, in your IFRS books, you create a provision. You recognise your expense through the income statement and you have a provision on the balance sheet. Now, many times the tax office of that particular jurisdiction where you're operating, many times the tax office is not going to give you an immediate deduction just because you booked that provision through your IFRS books. Often the tax office will want to wait until you've actually paid the expense in cash before, realise that provision, settle that provision before giving you a tax deduction. Now, what deferred tax is, it's a way of accounting for the fact that you've booked an expense for IFRS purposes and raised that provision on your balance sheet, but yet there is going to be a future tax consequence when you settle that provision. And in that particular example, you're going to get what's called a deferred tax asset on your balance sheet. Okay, so really deferred tax is all around if your local tax rules, what your tax man says, is different from how we account under IFRS. Exactly right. What deferred tax does, it's a way of kind of reconciling and accounting for the differences, and you summed it up very well, differences between the tax rules and the IFRS rules, in particular and when you can recognise expense or revenue, and in particular the balance sheet consequences of that. Okay, so if we look into the standard and just look at some of the terms, they describe either a taxable temporary difference or a deductible temporary difference. Could you talk us through both of those? Sure, let's start with the term temporary difference. And and that relates to what I mentioned earlier uh, in the example about that provision. Temporary difference is exactly that, what it says. It's a difference between the timing of when you recognise the expense or revenue for IFRS purposes and when the tax office will give you the deduction or charge you tax on the assessable income. It's that temporary difference in the timing. And there are two types of temporary differences, as you said. There's a taxable temporary difference and a deductible temporary difference. What we have in the example I mentioned before about this provision, that will be a deductible temporary difference because what will happen is we've booked the provision on our balance sheet for IFRS purposes, but later, the tax office will give us a deduction when we actually settle that obligation. So we call that a deductible temporary difference. There will be, in the future, a deduction given to us by the tax office for an amount that we've already recognised as an expense for IFRS purposes. A taxable temporary difference is the opposite. That's where we have not recognised the expense necessarily in our IFRS books, but in the future we're going to have a tax consequence imposed upon us at a later date. And an example of a, of a taxable temporary difference might be a difference in depreciation rates, for example, where under IFRS purposes, perhaps we are depreciating our PPE over a longer term, maybe 10 years, but in our tax books, we're allowed an upfront depreciation, maybe over three years. So what we're getting is we're getting a lot more tax benefit from the tax department then we're showing in the IFRS books. We're showing a smaller expense in the IFRS books, but we're actually getting a larger deduction for tax purposes. 
that means that there will be a consequence of that as we go through and finish that depreciation of that asset. Our deduction is going to be less and less from the tax office as we go forward. So that is a way of reconciling in our IFRS financial statements the consequence of the fact that we're not going to get as much of a tax deduction in the future because we're getting it all up front. And therefore, there is a tax consequence for that. We call that a taxable temporary difference. And you were just talking about PP&E. Obviously, the deduction will probably just be the cost. It's just, like you said, temporary. It's just Exactly right. Exactly it. right. It's very rare uh, that you will see the tax office think of a different original cost yeah. than what you actually booked in your IFRS purposes. It can happen in, in complex scenarios, but just keeping it simple, buying a simple asset, the tax office is often going to just attribute the same original cost as your IFRS books. And exactly right, it is a temporary difference. It's not like it's going to change anything permanently. It's a temporary difference that reconciles over time. So at the end of the life of that asset, there will be no more consequence. So this is a bit old school and I know it doesn't exist in the standard anymore, but we used to have the concept, or I know in the UK, of permanent difference. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. gone now. It still exists, but it's just not called that specifically anymore. Where you see the permanent differences, what used to be called permanent differences, arises within your income tax reconciliation that you'll see in any set of IFRS financial statements. And what that is, and I think what we like to know it as now, is more so a difference between your expected tax charge with your actual tax charge. And things that cause these differences are things like one-off extra tax deductions for research and development expenditure, things like non-assessable income or non-deductible expenses, like entertainment expenses where they're all fines and penalties. And those are the things that will change your effective tax rate and you'll disclose that in what we call the tax rate reconciliation. And those are permanent, as you say. They will never reconcile together. It's permanent. I've hosted this party for my employees. The tax office is never going to give me a deduction for that, yeah. which is why we do sometimes still refer to them as permanent differences, although IS-12 doesn't call them that anymore. Yeah. See, I'm naughty. Not following the IP. I do tend to yell at teams who still use the term, but I understand <laughs> okay. it is easier to put into context when I we think of permanent differences. I anymore, I promise. Okay, so let's get back to you were talking about uh, temporary differences. Mm. What do they give rise to, a deferred tax asset or a deferred tax Yeah, so a deductible temporary difference will give rise to an asset on your balance sheet, a deferred tax asset. And often when people who are just completely unfamiliar with the concept of deferred tax, when they see these things like deferred tax asset and deferred tax liability on the balance sheet, often their first question is, well, when am I going to receive that? When's the check from the tax office coming? This deferred tax asset, it's there. When, when is the tax office going to send me a check for that? And it conceptually can be quite difficult yeah. for people who aren't familiar with the concept of deferred tax because it's not something that you, the tax office is going to write you a check for. It's something that the effects of which are going to be released over time through your financial statements, but it's not something that you're going to actually ever get a check for. Likewise, a deferred tax liability, which arises from taxable temporary differences, you're not going to write a check to the tax office for that. That's something that's just going to be released as you settle the obligation or deferred tax assets, the benefit is going to flow through your financial statements as you use the asset or settle the liability in your course of business. And is there anything people need to consider about when you can recognise a deferred tax asset? Very much so. And there's been a lot of chat by the standard setters around this. The key with when you have your deductible temporary difference, and again, let's take the easy example of creating a provision under IS 37 uh, in your IFRS financial statements, and the tax office is only going to give you a deduction for that when you settle that provision. What you need to consider is when the time comes that you're going to be able to claim that deduction, 
Will you actually be able to realise that? Will you have accessible income against which to get the benefit of that deduction? If you're a loss-making company and just generating losses and, and maybe you have no immediate plans to hit profitability, for whatever reason that might be, maybe you're a startup company and it might be 10 years or so before you start making profits, what you need to think about is, when I come to the time to get that tax deduction given to me by the tax authority, will I get the benefit of being able to offset that against accessible income? And if you will never get that benefit, then you should not actually recognise that deferred tax asset. More so an issue with carry-forward tax losses than the deductible temporary differences. We see that as an issue where we need to consider, should I book the deferred tax asset in relation to my carry-forward tax losses? And how do you make that assessment if you're going to make those future taxable profits? Sure, if the obligation is on management of the entity to demonstrate that they will have, that there is convincing evidence that despite being in a loss-making situation, there is convincing evidence, and that's the word used by IS-12, convincing evidence that there will be a way that we're going to be able to get the benefit of those carry-forward tax losses. And there's some things we need to consider. The first thing we consider is do we have taxable temporary differences in which we can offset those tax losses. So for example, will there be a reversal of deferred tax liability in future periods, which will mean those tax losses will be used to offset that. That's the first thing we need to consider. The second thing we need to consider after we've offset against any deferred tax liability, second thing we consider is future profitability of the business. Do we have a plan to actually make future profits then to be able to utilise any remaining carry forward losses that we have. Then the third and final step or, or consideration that the standard describes is if there's still leftover carry forward losses after offsetting against taxable temporary differences. If there's still carry forward losses left over after considering future profits, then we consider future tax planning opportunities. Okay. And if you weren't to recognise, if you concluded that actually you can't recognise your deferred tax asset, do you need to disclose that fact? We do. Uh, there's a requirement in IS-12, and it, and it is useful information for a user when you think about the reason this is a required disclosure. Think about you pick up the financial statements, and for a right reason, there's no deferred tax asset on the balance sheet. That doesn't really tell much. User picks it up, there's no deferred tax asset. Okay, fine. Well, it doesn't really make, give any attention or any useful information. But if we flick through the disclosure, tax disclosures, we're required to disclose the fact that we do have these carry forward losses or deductible or, or taxable, deductible, sorry, tax, even I'm getting confused about <laughs> deferred tax now, that's how tricky it is, listeners, or uh, deductible temporary differences, which we haven't recognised because perhaps we don't think, we don't have the evidence yet that we're going to recover these. So we need to disclose the amount that we haven't recognised on the balance sheet. We need to disclose the reason why, which is useful information. So, dear reader, we have these carry-forward losses. We haven't recognised them because, and then management should describe, because at the moment there's insufficient evidence as to the recoverability or whatever that is. And another very useful piece of information which is required is information about expiry dates of any of these carry-forward tax losses. There are many jurisdictions around the world where the tax office will impose either an expiry date on the carry-forward tax losses or even other restrictions in the way you can use those tax losses. For example, maybe you can never use more than 50% of your total carry-forward tax losses in any given year, things like that, and that information should be disclosed as well. So are there circumstances when you can offset deferred tax assets and deferred tax liabilities? Most of the time. So there's two things we need to consider there. Is it in the same tax jurisdiction? Is what's giving rise to that deferred tax liability, are those 
contained within the same tax jurisdiction as our carry forward losses. Obviously, the tax authority in China, where we might have uh, taxable temporary differences, will not give us a deduction for carry forward losses that we've incurred in Africa, for example. So they should be in the same tax jurisdiction. And the other thing we need to consider is will they reverse around the same time in, in, the same, in the same way? For example, if our tax losses expire next year, but the taxable temporary difference will only reverse in 10 years' time, then we wouldn't be able to, to offset that. They need to reverse over a similar time period and be within the tax, same tax jurisdiction. Then, we, yes, we will offset that. So it's not unusual to see, for example, in a set of financial statements, no deferred tax asset, no deferred tax liability, because they've been offset, yet we still might have some leftover carry-forward losses, which we don't book because we haven't met that recoverability criteria. So in the notes, you would only see the information there about that offset, because on the face of the balance sheet, you wouldn't see anything about the deferred tax because they've been offset basically to zero. But in the notes, you would see a disclosure around the fact that they have been offset, and then further description as to any leftover carry forward losses, what we're doing with those, why we haven't booked those. Okay, so it, important to look at the disclosure note as well then to get a full picture of that. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and it should be a good disclosure note. And that's come under a lot of scrutiny recently by regulators. Yeah, so I'm just going to say a lot of regulator attention at the moment is about the tax reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is that clear? Is it explained? Each line item, do you understand where they're coming from? Is there any tips you've got for people about what they should look for in their tax recs? Sure. And this is something which we've talked about as a team very recently. Things to be looking for is information about rates, especially for large multinational companies that operate in various different tax jurisdictions, often subject to different rates of income tax, different rates of capital gains tax, withholding taxes, etc. That tax reconciliation should tell that story clearly. It should tell the story of what the primary rate that the entity is exposed to, and there should be also some reconciling items there about the impacts of operating in other territories. Ideally, not just one line item, one lumped line item. Regulators have commented recently that they want more specific information about those rates. So what's the impact on you from your different tax rate in China? What about your different tax rate in Indonesia? What about your different tax rate in Australia, for example? Rather than just one lump sum kind of plug figure, something that's more useful to users. So that's on different tax rates. Another thing there is beware of the big line that just says other. (laughs) <laughs> That's one that we see, lot. we do see it, and it immediately you raise questions of what's that big other number. Surely there's a better way of being more specific about what that impact is. And another thing that can get tricky in your tax reconciliation is the impact of either not recognising carry forward losses or newly bringing carry forward losses onto your books uh, that you've maybe recently met the criteria that they're going to be recoverable, bringing them onto your books or having carry-forward losses that you may have recognised in the past but you're now de-recognising, those things all impact that taxation reconciliation. So things to look out for that can be quite tricky. Really helpful, thank you. Definitely one for us all to have a look in our financial statements for. So parting thoughts, is there anything at the moment going on at the ISB that we should be aware of in terms of tax? A couple of interesting things. One, there's been a recent amendment to IS-12 issued in January 2016, and it's applicable now. It's applicable for financial reporting periods beginning on 1 Jan 2017. So our year-end financial statements, December year-ends, this will be applicable for. And what that did, it actually was quite a useful amendment. It clarified what we've been talking about, recoverability of underlying deferred tax assets, both 
arising from temporary differences and both arising from carry forward tax losses. And that amendment gave some very useful clarification as to things we need to consider. And fortunately, the amendment is consistent with what we've been doing anyway, what PwC's position has been anyway. And it clarified things like that process that you go through, starting with, do you have offsetting taxable temporary differences? Do you have the convincing other evidence? And then do you have tax planning opportunities? Going through that process in determining whether you can bring these onto your balance sheet or not. And also from a temporary difference perspective as well, things like, okay, so you've got a temporary difference arising, and I'll go back to my favourite, the provision. We've got the temporary difference rising from that. Do we book the deferred tax asset immediately? Well, no, we need to consider, will we have future income in order to get the benefit from that future tax deduction that we're going to have? So it's not just a case of, ah, we have a temporary difference between the tax base of our provision and the IFRS carrying value, we book deferred tax asset. No, think about it first before you book, think about the recovery. And that's what that amendment clarified. And it's something that as a firm, has been our position all along anyway. Okay, so that's one amendment that's already effective this mm-hmm. year. Anything to come in the future? Well, our hero on deferred tax, Mr. Tony DeBell, not only do I share his first name, but I share his love of deferred tax, but <laughs> Mr. DeBell, who sits on IFRIC, has been instrumental in creating an IFRIC determination around deferred tax. So yes, IFRIC has issued an interpretation, IFRIC 23, and it covers a very interesting area actually, uncertain tax positions. And this is an area of IS-12 which is silent. It's an area which is completely silent in IFRS and has been the subject of a lot of discussion, a little bit of uncertainty in practice, maybe a little bit of difference in practice as well. USGAP has very detailed guidance on what to do, but IFRS has been silent. And so IFRIC has seen that and issued IFRIC 23, which talks about what we do about uncertain tax positions. Perfect. And we'll see uh, the detail behind that, IFRIC, in another podcast. Oh, I'm disappointed. I don't get to talk about that today. <laughs> we'll, we'll get the other Tony. Okay. Tony DeVal to give us an update on that one. Okay, so to this Tony, thank you very much for joining us in the podcast uh, My pleasure. studio today. My pleasure. I think we've got a real insight into IS-12, how deferred tax works, and then some of the key things really looking out for, can I recognise a deferred tax asset? making sure I'm disclosing any carry-forward losses that I've not recognised, and also a focus on tax reconciliations in our disclosure note. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. We've talked about IS-12 today. For more information, please visit our website at www.pwc.com forward slash IFRS. Happy accounting. The preceding programme was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers, LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.